As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 10. I noticed Malatium is the symbol. Mm -hmm. The 11th medal. It amazes me how many nations have united behind our purpose. There are still dissenters, of course, and some kingdoms, regrettably, have fallen to wars that I could not stop. Still, this general unity is glorious, even humbling to contemplate. I wish that the nations of mankind hadn't required such a dire threat to make them see the value of peace and cooperation. Reference to... The deepness. The deepness, yeah. Vin walked along a street in the cracks, one of Luthadel's many ska slums, with her hood up. For some reason, she found the muffled heat of a hood preferable to the oppressive red sunlight. She walked with a slouch, eyes down, sticking near to the side of the street. The ska she passed had similar airs of dejection. No one looked up. No one walked with a straight back or an optimistic smile. In the slums, those things would make one look suspicious. She'd almost forgotten how oppressive Luthadel could be. Her weeks in Felice had accustomed her to trees and washed stone. Here, there was nothing white. No creeping aspens, no whitewashed granite. All was black. Fun little intro to Luthadel. You see a real difference between some place that is near the ash mounts and gets just a ton of ash falling on it, and some place like Felice, which is far enough out that it probably gets less ashfall and is a little easier to keep clean. Is that the reason why? I thought it was just because she was living in a rich neighborhood. I think it was both. Yeah? But I, I, th- I thought that the ashfall was less frequent as you get further away from Luthadel. Because the central dominance is where all the ash mounts are. As she's walking along, she noticed, notices the city garrison patrolling the slums. The garrisoners kicked at beggars to make certain they were truly invalids. Stopped wandering workers to harass them about being on the streets instead of working and made a general nuisance of themselves. We don't see a lot of these guys because they're kind of mistborn 
chum. I mean, <laughs> they just get chopped to pieces whenever they encounter Mistborn because these are the like standard soldiers wearing armor. They're not meant to fight Mistborn. They're meant to fight like bums and right keep the order. Not really they're fighters. Not like a hugely important part of our story. They're really not. I think don't they get like sent out of the city to do something? No, I think the plan is to get them out, but I I don't think that ever happens, does it? It's just they get caught up between all the nobles during the rebel. We should probably know. Seems like the riots would have like just torn them down. And then there was all the various soldiers in the various keeps. Yeah, I feel like it's almost a, a thread that gets dropped a little bit. They're not terribly important by the end, especially with the wide, a more widespread rebellion and tons of mistings in the rebellion. A garrison doesn't seem to be terribly important. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to assume that with with the rebellion, whatever force in the city got just overwhelmed by the ska because there's so during many the riots the ska. and the hidden. Yeah. All the weapons hidden for Ska. That's exactly what I think the weapons were for, is to take down the garrison. You know, I, I want to say they planned to send them to the pits, but, you know, once they were destroyed, there was no real point in guarding them anymore. Right. <laughs> and they weren't being guarded when Kelsier went and did it. Yeah, though, because Kelsier just went and destroyed everything, so there, there wouldn't be a reason to send the garrison. Right. So I think they had planned to uh, to threaten it, to draw the garrison out? Yeah, it was Vin's idea. Yeah. Vin gives us a little explanation of soup kitchens and what they are and what they're for. They're basically public houses where Ska can take their food tokens because they're not paid in money. The cheapest way to feed your indentured servants, basically. Yeah. is Because you can't use those tokens anywhere else except... For food. For food. And it's crappy food because <laughs> the owner's skimp whatever money they can get off the top yeah but the purpose of in going there is to present this small fake food token so that she's directed to a room where breeze is basically kelsier is going to show up secret ska rebellion meeting to recruit troops for the army right so ideally they'd have a bunch of sympathizers in there and then kelsier and yet and go give a speech while breeze and his team manipulate their emotions totally and, I mean, the real reason that she's there is to learn from Breeze. She's starting phase two of her uh, allomantic training, which is right. learning about the other six metals, not the pushing and pulling. Mm -hmm. Here she learns about soothing and rioting, and then she goes to Marsh to learn about seeking. She doesn't really ever talk to clubs about copper clouds. She just kind of burns them all the time. I can't. I think it does happen, but I think it's a short... Um just a meeting. A very short meeting. And Spook tells her, it's just one sentence, but it's actually pretty critical, which is, it's not what you can sense, it's what you can ignore. Yeah. And that helps her a lot in terms of focusing the Tenai. She gets into the room, and Breeze greets her, asks her how Felice was, then shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> Non-responsive as ever. I'd almost forgotten what a fascinating conversationalist you are. Of the four men in the room, Vin recognized only one, an apprentice from Clubs' shop, which means he's the smoker. The two by the door were obviously guards. The last man appeared to be a regular ska worker, complete with blackened jacket and ashen face. His self-confident air, however, proved that he was a member of the underground, probably one of Yedin's rebels. I like the little wine tricks Breeze plays with the guards getting him to get his wine. <laughs> 
And I think that's what Clubs talks about when he's like, they just manipulate people. It doesn't matter if they're burning that they, they do it all the time. He's they just manipulate people and he's messing with the soldier here. <laughs> Breeze held up his cup, tapping its side with his fingernail. The rebel regarded it darkly. Right now, Breeze said, you're wondering if I'm using alamancy on you. Perhaps I am, perhaps I am not. Does it matter? I'm here by your leader's invitation, and he ordered you to see that I was made comfortable, and I assure you, a cup of wine in my hand is absolutely necessary for my comfort. Absolutely. He goes and gets it. It's expensive wine, too. Yeah. Because, like, the rebel army can't pay for it. He's like, uh, Kelsier will reimburse them, which just show, goes to show who's actually financing this whole thing. It's not the rebellion. No, it's Kelsier. Yeah. Robbing, stealing and robbing. He probably also had, he had a significant wealth built up from beforehand as well. All the jobs he pulled. I don't think he, I think most of that was hidden away. I don't think he lost it when he went to the pits. It was there waiting for him when he came back out again. We can assume he wasn't broke, especially considering he can just walk into a nobleman's mansion and steal his stuff at any moment. Right. So did you push him? Vin asks Breeze. Breeze shook his head. Waste of brass. Then didn't need to. Yet he's pushing on Vin. He says he is. Right. He does, he does say that he pushed him in. I could not find any evidence of it. He tells her later that he did at certain points. And just knowing Breeze, I think he would, because he just pushes on everybody all the time. Yeah. That's what he does. But maybe because he's at this big meeting, he's saving it up for the people in the room. I don't think he actually literally means it's a waste of brass. No. Yeah. He could have. It just wasn't important. He knew that he was going to get his way without help. (laughs) Good point. Well, Breeze said, let us begin then. First, you must understand that soothing is about more than just allomancy. It's about the delicate and noble art of manipulation. Noble indeed, Vin said. Ah, you sound like one of them, Breeze said. Them who? Them everyone else, Breeze said. You saw how that Ska gentleman treated me? People don't like us, my dear. The idea of someone who can play with their emotions, who can mystically get them to do certain things, makes them uncomfortable. What they do not realize, and what you must realize, is that manipulating others is something that all people do. In fact, manipulation is at the core of our social interaction. He settled back, raising his dueling cane and gesturing with it slightly as he spoke. Think about it. What is a man doing when he seeks affection of a young lady? Why? He is trying to manipulate her to regard him favorably. What happens when two old friends sit down for a drink? They tell stories, trying to impress each other. Life as a human being is about posturing and influence. This isn't a bad thing. In fact, we depend upon it. These interactions teach us how to respond to others. What do you think about that argument from him? I mean, I think he's, like, logically correct. Like, pretty much everything we do is so you could break down to some form of manipulation, right? Like, you go to work to manipulate your boss into believing that he should pay you. Right. It's, you know, or, you know, literally everything we do is... Do you think it's a cynical worldview, though? Yes. It's kind of a dark way to look at it, but it is kind of true. And do you think he has an unfair advantage with his magic? (laughs) um unfair i don't know life isn't fair (laughs) you know some people are just at some point breeze says 
Well, he says, we also have a slight advantage, but is it really that much more powerful than having a charismatic personality or a fine set of teeth, by which he means being good looking? Right. Rule number one, be good looking. Right? <laughs> Something you don't hear anymore, but I remember my grandmother's talking about that. Looking for a girl with good teeth, because in an age before there was good dentistry, that was actually really important. Oh, yeah. I mean... It, funny long-term health well i think one of the things that's made it go up the most is better teeth i've read that before because good nutrition is so important especially at an older age where you can't necessarily produce everything you need there's all sorts of issues that go on if you can't chew your food sure like it messes with your whole digestive tract and like that leads to malnutrition and that leads to early death not to mention infections in the teeth all sorts of ugh. Yeah, that can kill you. Oh, yeah. Not, and then you get infections in your head, which go right to your brain. Um, there's so many ways your teeth can kill you. But what Breeze is saying, yeah, I would say is essentially true. Like, some people aren't charismatic. Is that unfair? I don't know. You know? You could pick any personality trait or any good, good or bad trait. I can see his logic, but I think he's very much justifying his process to himself he's like because he's using magic on people he's influencing them and forcing them to have emotions that they wouldn't otherwise have he can make them feel good or, about something that they'd otherwise not feel good about at all or not feel bad about it yeah right it's a very sort of cynical worldview because it means that emotions aren't genuine or aren't necessarily genuine and you know it's why he has trouble like dating anybody why, why aren't emotions genuine? Because they can be influenced and, and manipulated and pushed and pulled. Well, isn't that always true? I mean, just like Bree said, even without soothing, the emotions aren't, they're not static. You don't just have anger. It's, you don't just have, you know, they, it ebbs and flows. And Sure, but I guess in the same way that there's a difference between throwing an ingot of metal with your arm and throwing it with magic, right? We, we, we make a difference between one of those as being natural, something that everyone can do, and one of them being manipulated from the outside. And I feel like we have to draw, draw the same distinction with your emotions, is you can have natural emotions, but you can also have, like, magic-influenced emotions that are completely out of your control. Yeah. And that doesn't feel very fair to me. That feels... <laughs> That feels morally wrong in, in, in some levels. And I think that's why Vin is so interested in burning copper all the time. Yeah, well, nobody wants to be feel like they're being manipulated. So, now time for commercial break. <laughs> Screw <Squarespace>. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives us a little bit on subtlety a little while after that. Where he says, push someone too hard, and even the, even the most blind of ska will realize that they're being manipulated somehow. Touch too softly, and you won't produce a noticeable effect. Other, more powerful emotions will still rule your subject. It's all about understanding people, he continued. You have to read how someone is feeling. Change that feeling by nudging, nudging it in the proper direction. Then channel their newfound emotional state to your advantage. That, my dear, is the challenge in what we do. That's something I've always found really interesting about Breeze, that he's not just... I mean, he's a soother, right? Like, he has this kind of superpower. But at, at the same time, he is also a very clever... Mani I, like, I think if you took away soothing from Breeze, he could still do it. 
in a sense. You know what I totally. mean? Totally. I mean, some of that's been feedback. Like you, you if you can soothe away someone's emotions and see how they change, you can read other people's emotions better. You can sort of use that yeah. to learn people's emotions. But he has that knowledge now. This is like his trade, you know, manipulating people. Totally. <laughs> totally. It is difficult. But for those who can do it well, there are vast rewards. Breeze is saying as Ham walks in. Like people getting you your wine. <laughs> so you don't have to get up. You think he's uh, downing a lot of copper with his wine? Or, or sorry, brass. Is it one of the slow or fast burners? It's pretty slow, but it depends. I feel like it depends a lot on how much you're using it. Like it's one of those things where if you're trying to push a lot of people's emotions a lot, it's going to burn up a lot faster. Yeah. I suppose something like a copper or a tin, which is going to be probably pretty steady. Yeah. So I imagine he he keeps a fair amount to just plop it down in the drinks. Maybe that is why he's drinking wine all the time. Also, it's wine. <laughs> why not both? Why not? Uh, my favorite use because they always have to put the metals in something, and so you know I like that they start putting them in whiskey in the wax and wane era. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then when she starts, the uh, Steris starts putting it in cod liver so that it's more healthy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like in the middle of battle and he's like, no, oh, cod, cod liver, <laughs> cod liver oil, I guess. Uh, so yeah, you can put your, you can put your metals in just about anything as long as it's not water. Yeah. As long as you don't have to chew it, I guess. Yeah, I wonder if you could like. You wouldn't want to be chewing tin, <laughs> even if it's dust. Like it'll. Could you put it in your in like a bread flour and bake it into bread? You could, but it'll ruin your teeth. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess unless there was a small amount. I guess if you're a pewter burner, you could do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be strong enough. <laughs> we never get anything on that, but now I'm wondering how strong the teeth of a pewter burner are. I guess as strong as their bones, so strong yeah really strong because they just yeah they get reinforced bones so <laughs> what was that uh james bond guy with the metal teeth where he bit through the the big metal cable jaws yeah that's that oh. the dude's name oh weird i just watched that movie the other day me and jules watched it she had never se- or she had seen it once before and she said she was too afraid to watch it as a kid it's like you should you should do it again it's a classic everyone should watch that sure just ignore the sexism Oh, yeah, well, it came from an era. <laughs> I don't know how much better we actually are now, so never mind. Well, just when you thought it was safe to go to the movies again. Ham <laughs> <laughs> walks in, and he starts with one of his um, philosophical... I don't know if you have anything between there and there, uh, by the way. No, just that they've got tin eyes on the corners, and yeah, Kelsey, it was things we talked about already. Ham saying the building's secure. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting question be, that he's raising here. And it's almost, it's Brandon Sanderson raising this question more than Ham. Uh, <laughs> I could see that too. That it's really saying, hey, I'm setting up this narrative structure in which we're overthrowing the final empire and killing the Lord Ruler, and you're rah-rah for it. But have you sat back and thought about whether or not this is going to be a good thing for the characters? Is this destruction, is the Lord Ruler actually saving them from something? Well, I think, yeah, there's a problem. Lord Ruler is God. And 
Breeze corrects him. Actually, the Lord Ruler is only a piece of God. <laughs> He's, he held the power of the God for a short period of time. Yeah. And, and sort of an assumption that, that Ham is making is that God is the progenitor of morality. So whatever God says is good is good, or whatever God does is good. Um, also, that God created the world. Yeah. Which is not necessarily true. And, you know, in this case, we know that it's not. Right. <laughs> the Lord Ruler did not create the world. And the Lord Ruler isn't a god. He's just inhabiting a piece of god. And eventually... There is some evidence that, you know, his he's more powerful. He's better at using allomancy. He's a little better at all those things simply because he touched a shard. Oh, yeah. And, you know... He got Lorassium. He's a first generation. Right. So I guess the question I'm I'm always wondering is is the Lord Ruler more powerful than any other first generation Mistborn? So example for example, if Ellen and I'd say Lord yes. Ruler went up against each other. And I gotta correct myself, it, he didn't um eat Lorassium. He when he was ascended, he made himself a Mistborn as a god. Yeah, I I'd call it almost uh he had Missed Lorassium, whatever that you know the the body of the god that was missed as opposed to the body of the god. Sorry, liquid, not missed. Liquid, yeah, the liquid Lorassium. Yeah, he changed his own spirit web. Thanks for pointing that out, Cody. So I would say so. I mean, if you have the powers of creation and you can make yourself a Mistborn, you're going to make yourself the best Mistborn you could possibly be. You sure. know, who wouldn't? Maximum power. <laughs> yeah. His power level's over 9,000. <laughs> you see the dilemma? Ham asked. I see an idiot, Breeze mumbled. I'm confused, Finn said. What's the problem? <laughs> but that's where he just lays out that, like, the idea of opposing God must be evil, because God is good, by definition. Right. And so that would make them evil. Evil, right. But if they're killing a God that does evil things, does that make them good or evil? If I were sitting in this room, I would be like, Ham, define good. Right. It doesn't it doesn't really have a meaning. Our definitions <laughs> suck. Define evil. What is that? Ham's really not that good at philosophy. I mean he's good at asking questions, but he doesn't really understand the framework in which to sort of come up with consistent answers. He just asks these questions without like having good definitions. Without ever anything. trying to really answer yeah, them. Or yeah. trying to answer them. He needs to take a course in basic logic. <laughs> I kinda enjoy the mental gymnastics a little bit. He asks fun questions. Yeah. But I, I often think of him as a, a um, pathway for Brandon to stick his philosophical, philosophical questions in the middle of the story. It's just kind of random musings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sam, that's kind of a probably important to point out, too, that Ham really just enjoys the conversations. I think he likes posing the questions because he enjoys the engagement. So you're saying Ham would have a podcast? Yes. on a Ham radio? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, I mean, that would be a good name for a podcast if your name was Ham. <laughs> the, the Ham Ham Radio. <laughs> Ham Radio. This is Hamcast. Are aliens real? Like, oh my God, Joe Rogan is Ham. Whoa, that actually really works. It works really, really well. well. Yeah. <laughs> well, just engage anyone on anything. I've listened to a bunch. Uh, I shouldn't say a bunch, but a few episodes of his podcast. I found some of them enjoyable, but. <laughs> That is, I think that is the theme. He'll just like have anyone on and just be like, so what do you think about this, man? 
and then they and that's the and he just has a conversation with them. There's no like um, center just, yeah. to it. It's he's just, just way too credible for my tastes. He'll believe anything anyone tells him, <laughs> and he's and he gives people a platform to spread bullshit, which bothers me. You know, my favorite podcast is one of my favorite podcasts is the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. I'm all about like facts, reality, like oh sure, me things. too. And he's like, oh, well. But most people aren't really interested no. in facts. I mean, I think we all like to think we are, but really, we just want to feel good about stuff. And now I'm depressed. <laughs> Ham will do that to you. I reject your reality and substitute my own. A group of dirtied ska men sat around tables, wearing brown work coats or ragged cloaks. They were a dark group, with ash-stained skin and slummed postures. However, their presence at the meeting meant that they were willing to listen. Yedin sat at a table near the front of the room, wearing his usual patched worker's cloak, his curly hair cut short during Vin's absence. Vin had expected some kind of grand entrance from Kelsier. Instead, however, he simply walked quietly out of the kitchen. He paused by Yedin's table, smiling and speaking quietly with the man for a moment. Then he stepped up before the seated workers. Vin had never seen him in such mundane clothing before. He wore a brown ska coat and tan trousers. Like many of the audience, Kelsier's outfit, however, was clean. Now we've talked about this before, how even that's a status symbol. Wearing rough clothing that's clean. It's a huge status symbol in this world. Yeah. It's, it's, it isn't our own, really, too. That's true. It costs money to be clean. It's a tie ad. <laughs> that's what this meeting really was (laughs) he's making a statement by like not being too high above them but like a little he's not wearing a gentleman's suit but he's Mm -hmm. wearing nice clean clothes and this is sort of a a meeting that happens on two levels there's the level one which is you know kelsier talking to the rebels and inspiring them along with eden and then the second level which is breeze doing his thing while Vin watches. Yeah. And he's attempting to sort of make the audience have the emotions that the speaker is trying to instill. Yeah. And he has a cool little system he's devised to to do that. And we'll get to that. But he's kind of like Kelser could be doing this without Breeze. He could just stand up in front of people and speak to them and he would probably get some converts, but Breeze is basically ensuring maximum success each time. Sure. And I always try and keep in mind that the ska population has been so soothed in just a general blanket soothing that, you know, they don't experience a lot of extreme emotions. Not in Luthadel. No. So the fact that they get these sort of surges of emotion is probably really effective in keeping them around. I mean, if you've never had that excitement or that, you know, hope before, it could be something. Yeah. Um, It's kind of... Breeze mentions it offhandedly later, but he has soothers, rioters, and smokers all working. And right, Ham has his tin eyes. And tin eyes on the corner, yeah. Making sure that they're not all about to die. And you know, Ham's got his pewter burners stationed in a couple of places. His thugs, they're hanging out. So It's a sophisticated operation. It's a big operation. And, it, and that's why, you know, it's going a little slowly. Sure. It takes a while to set up these meetings. Yeah, and they can't just do it all the time everywhere. 
it's not like you can put a, a sign spinner out on the corner and get them to come in. <laughs> Join the rebels! <laughs> Kill the Lord Ruler today. Kelsier put his arms behind his back, and slowly, the crowd of workers quieted, then frowned, watching through the peep slit, wondering at Kelsier's ability to quiet a room of hungry men by simply standing before them. Was he using allomancy, perhaps? Yet, even with her copper on, she felt a presence from him. I think this is just kind of an echo of what Brees was talking about before. You don't need allomancy to manipulate people. You can just be a born charismatic personality. And Kelsier is a charismatic personality. Almost a religious figure, you might say. (laughs) A perfect candidate from one, anyway. Breeze explains he has soothers mixed into the crowd, and he's using serving girls dressed in certain colors, like walking around with a pitcher of water. Mm -hmm. So you send, like, the red one out, and I think that one's anger later. He's... I noticed that um, the first one he sends is blue, but he never says what blue is. Uh, I think fatigue and hunger was what I thought. Like, soothe away fatigue, soothe away the hunger. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. It's like, why would you want them to be tired? (laughs) (laughs) There's a moment when Vin is inspecting what Breeze is doing, and she's like, Okay, let me sense what he's sending to Ellen. This is like in in book three, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like fear, pain, panic. He's, she's like, why is he sending those? Oh, he's a soother. Yeah, and she has that moment where she's like, oh, he soothes the opposite. So I'm sensing he's focused on what he doesn't want. Exactly, exactly. He also talks a bit about how you can get the same kind of result whether you soothe the riot because we're just a big bubbling mass of emotions, right? And we kind of normalize wherever our emotions happen to be. So if you suppress everything except one emotion, it's almost the same as rioting because we just normalize at that level. Yeah. I know why you came here today, Kelsier said quietly. He spoke without much of the flamboyance been associated with the man, his tone quiet but direct. Twelve-hour days in a mill, mine, or forge, beatings, lack of pay, poor food, and for what? So you can return to your tenements at the day's end To find another tragedy, a friend slain by an uncaring taskmaster, a daughter taken to be some nobleman's plaything, a brother dead at the hand of a passing lord who was having an unpleasant day, and then Breeze wants them to be angry. So he sends in a girl wearing red to signal to his soothers and rioters that this is a moment to be angry. Respond to Kelsier's passion. Yeah. Feel angry about their lives. Exactly. My friends, you are not alone in your tragedy. There are millions just like you, and they need you. I've not come to beg. We've had enough of that in our lives. I simply ask you to think. Where would you rather your energy be spent? On forging the Lord Ruler's weapons, or on something more valuable? Uh, I noticed here Vin extinguishes her copper to burn bronze. Is that... Do you have to extinguish your copper to burn bronze, or can you be burning both at the same time and sense someone else's pulses? Or are you just shielding them as well as yourself? I'm sure you could do both at the same time. Cause she, she's smoking herself really frequently in the future. I feel like at some point we get like a throwaway line where Vin says she almost doesn't, she, she doesn't even think about doing it anymore. Right. She's just always masking herself to prevent detection but by if Inquisitor. You're putting on a copper cloud, isn't that preventing anyone around you from being detected by 
bronze, including yourself, or are you exempt from your own copper cloud? I want to say you're exempt from your own copper cloud. I think I disagree. Like, so if you're hypothetically, if you're making a copper cloud yourself and you also want to sense things that are happening around you, do you smoke yourself? Like, can you do both at once? Is that the question? That's the question. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> Something definitely to keep an eye out for. Yeah. Because here, she, you know, he makes a point of saying she puts one, turns one off before turning the other one on. Yeah. And then it doesn't do her any good because club's dude is smoking. Now I wonder if she still hasn't learned how to pierce copper clouds yet. Right. She doesn't figure that out until Marsh gives his lesson. Yeah. I, I do think she's wearing the earring, but just it takes her some concentration, even with the earring, mm-hmm. to sense smoked copper clouds. You know why I am here, Kelsier said. You know my friend Yedin and what he represents. Every ska in the city knows about the rebellion. Perhaps you've considered joining it. Most of you will not. Most of you will go back to your soot-stained mills, to your burning forges, to your dying homes. You'll go because this terrible life is familiar. But some of you, some of you will come with me. And those are the men who will be remembered in the years to come. Remembered for having done something grand. Remembered, but dead. Yes. (laughs) You're a fool. A man who rises up. He's not wrong. Stands up. The Lord Ruler will kill you. He's yelling at Cal... Kelsier, you don't rebel against God in his own city. The room fell silent, intense. Finally, he reached up and pulled back the sleeves of his jacket, revealing the crisscross scars on his arms. The Lord Ruler is not our God, he said quietly, and he cannot kill me. He tried, but he failed, for I am the thing that he can never kill. With that, Kelsier turned, walking from the room the way he had come. Hmm, Breeze said. That was a little dramatic. <laughs> this is super important because this is where Kelsier, not that he realizes, but that this is where he's coming to the realization that there is no way to overthrow a god without giving them a replacement god. I mean, I think he already has the plan in place. But, yeah. You know, this it's just reaffirming that, like, I will give you another god. I will give you another religion. He's being a prophet. He's John in the wilderness right now. And so he's building up his own sort of mystique by being a little overly dramatic. So then Eden gives his talk and Breeze continues to do his thing. Breeze so makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> it makes him better. Makes him more confident. Makes everyone believe his things better. Yeah. Can I get one of those when I do public speaking? <laughs> Your own soother. That would be fantastic. If Oh, man, if you could be like, all right, I'm going to speak. Soothe the way all my nervousness. And just gone. No butterflies. I'll take it. I like when Vin compares the two, Kelsier and Breeze. Kelsier had used Alamancy on her emotions. His touch had been like a sudden blunt punch to the face. He had strength, but very little subtlety. Breeze's touch was incredibly delicate. He soothed certain emotions, dampening them while leaving others unaffected. I love that little, like, you know, Kelsier can just slam all your emotions flat, but in a lot of situations, that's not what you want. Right. And like Bree said, everybody knows that something's happening to them then. And then whatever you're trying to get them to do isn't going to happen. Right. No matter how bad they feel like they want it, they know that you're making them do that. You need to make them think that this is real. Anyone will rebel against obviously artificial external emotions. Yeah. 
I wonder how many people they get to join the rebellion because they promised to feed them for a year. In the end, how many soldiers are there at its maximum? Oh, no, just like what percentage of the soldiers, they like hear this rousing speech and then and they're like, and we'll feed you for a year. And the guys are like, sign me up. <laughs> that's probably true. I mean, I know that's a, a motivation for a lot of people now who go into the military. Sure. Just a living. I don't have too terribly much over the next couple of um, pages. We have Yedin's speech, Breeze helping him. We kind of went over that. And there's like a couple of lines where Breeze sends in new servers at different moments to do, or and, you know, different flags essentially is what he's doing to signal people, the people that are working for him. We find Kelsier standing on a rooftop looking west, which is what he does when he's thinking about stuff. <laughs> Staring at the pits of Hathsin. I think Vin... Oh, interesting. Pits of Hathsin. I was going to say, Vin, I know... I feel like she spent a lot of time up high looking down at the city. Yeah. That's a, definitely a misborn thing. The Batman uh, pose. Just like standing up on the roof. With the, <laughs> the moon Cloaks swirling in the wind. Totally. <laughs> and Kelsey's looking out over the city, looking in the directions of... the pits of Hathson because he's thinking about he's wondering about the ATM and there's this critical part of his plan that is that if they take Luthadel they'll also find this giant horde of ATM and he does the math where he's like I know 90% of it that goes in isn't coming back out again yeah so it's got to be in there somewhere little does he know it's being removed at the source and stored right next door in the Condra homeland. And the point isn't a giant horde to be used in a desperate situation. The point is to just hide it right. from, from ruin. ruin. So when he gets out... He's weak. He's weak. And preservation has a chance to kill him. Or Vin, who takes up the mantle of preservation, has a chance to kill him. Right. I suppose it's the Lord Ruler's idea that when he ascends, as he ascends, or around that time, things might get bad. Like, ruin comes back either sure. way. The Lord Ruler definitely prepares for Ruin getting free. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst type situation. I mean, we see that with the the caverns and the storage spaces and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Notice here, uh, Kelsier's like, a flat roof mint having to shovel the ash off occasionally. He didn't mind. Of course he doesn't mind. He's not shoveling the ash. <laughs> I didn't have that are. thought. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It's totally worth it. Well, you're not the one shoveling. So. <laughs> Eventually, Sazed wanders up there to talk with Gelsier. Uh, so I had two things to talk about here. First of all, that Kelsier started the rumors about the eleventh medal. Yeah, he didn't learn about the eleventh medal from the rumors, and that's because, of course, Ruin guided him to the eleventh medal. Mm-hmm. The other thing, Kredik Shaw is a terrorist name. Which I think is one of our first clues that the Lord Ruler is actually Terrace, that he named his palace a Terrace name. Oh, yeah, I didn't even catch that. Kredik Shaw. The name was Terrace. It meant the hill of a thousand spires. I have a little part to read after Sazed says hello. Kelsier saying, I wonder what he would think if he knew a keeper was in Luthadel, Kelsier said. Barely a short walk from the palace itself. Let us hope we never find out, Master Kelsier, Sazed said. I appreciate your willingness to come here to the city, says. Saz? Says? Says. Says. I know it's a risk. This is a good work, Sazed said. And this plan is dangerous for all involved. Indeed, simply living is dangerous for me, I think. 
It is not healthy to belong to a sect that the Lord Ruler himself fears. Fears? Kelsier asked, turning to look up at Sezad. Despite Kelsier's above-average height, the terraceman was still a good head taller. I'm not sure if he fears anything, Says. He fears the keepers, Sezad said. Definitely, and inexplicably. Perhaps it is because of our powers. We are not allomancers, but something else. Something unknown to him. Kelsier nodded, turning back toward the city. He had so many plans, so much work to do, and at the core of it all were the Ska, the poor, humble, defeated Ska. Lord Ruler is terrified of ferrochemists, but not because of their power, but because of the possibility of ferrochemists and allomancers crossbreeding, right. creating another person with the powers of the Lord Ruler. Right. So, Sezed is right about the fear, but wrong about the reason. Yeah. That it's something unknown to him. Right. No, it's very much not unknown to the Lord Ruler. He is a extremely accomplished ferrochemist. Yeah. And was before he ascended with the powers of preservation. You just need both the powers to live forever. Both the powers at the same time. Or ex- extended. We've, we've, yeah, we ought to talk about how compounding ATM does have its limits in terms of how long you can live. At some point, you will actually reach a point where you can't where you're burning too much atm yeah but that could be many many millennia out but it's it's sort of a cumulative effect um and then we get the praise the jaw religion yeah legends say that the ministry had to wipe them out completely since not one jawist would accept the lord ruler was god they didn't last long past the ascension this is kelsier asking for one in the end after kingdoms and armies had fallen the religions were still fighting, weren't they? Indeed, Sezed said. Some of the more resilient religions lasted all the way until the 5th century. What made them so strong, Kelsier said. How did they do it? I love his answer. It wasn't any one thing, I think, Sezed said. Some were strong through honest faith, others because of the hope they promised. Others were coercive. But they all had passion, Kelsier said. Yes, Master Kelsier, Sezed said with a nod. This is... A quite true statement. That's what we've lost, Kelsier said. So passion is a very interesting word to use in this context. Because when I think of passion, the other what I really think of is the Stormlight Archive and Odium. Yeah. Because he calls himself passion. Odium isn't quite passion, right? No, he's closer to hatred. But Yeah. There's this interesting, passion is a really important thing in the Cosmere. So I think odium means like disgust or something like that. Just the actual word, you know? Yeah, yeah. Ever since, and really it's a little more clear in Oathbreaker, that passion is a really important thing um, in the Cosmere to me. Uh, And so I just, I've been keeping an eye out for it when it pops up in the Cosmere books. Hmm. And I find that it pops up more often than you think, and it seems to be more important I don't know if that's just a concept that Brandon likes and uses a lot or if he's actually, um, you know, because I do think Odium is a really sort of the big bad guy of the Cosmere. Emotions are really difficult to describe. I just Googled the word passion, strong and barely controllable emotion or a thing arousing enthusiasm. As I was thinking about it, I realized I wouldn't really know how to say what passion is. Passion is a strong feeling. When your emotions start to overwhelm you. And odium seems to be particularly fo- focused on hatred as the feeling that you're... Uh, it's yeah passionate hatred. 
is odium. Are there any religions on your list that include the slaughter of noblemen as a holy duty? Sazed frowned disapprovingly. I do not believe so, Master Kelsier. Maybe I should found one, Kelsier said with an idle smile. Maybe I should found one. He just threw off. <laughs> just just giving away his plan right there for... Because that's what he's doing. He's researching through Sezed. He's like, tell me about all these religions because I'm looking for what makes them powerful. What made them survive the Lord Ruler? How can I instill passion in the people mm-hmm. th- that let them fight long after nations were crushed? The Church of the Survivor. And so he's he's basically researching the Church of the Survivor and how to found a religion through Sezed. Um So then we get another perspective switch back to Vin. Vin sat in her overstuffed chair in the conference room, legs tucked beneath her, trying to study Marsh out of the corner of her eye. He looked so much like Kelsier. He was just stern. He wasn't angry, nor was he grumpy like clubs. He just wasn't happy. He sat in his chair, a neutral expression on his face. I thought that was an interesting picture of Marsh. Looks a lot like Kelsier. He just seems to have less emotion. Yeah. Iron eyes. Right. Vin asks... Lestibornis? Yeah, Vin asks Spook um, if Marsh is a nickname. Nodding without the call of his parents, Vin paused, trying to decipher the boy's eastern dialect. Not a nickname, then? Lestiborn shook his head. He wasn't one, though. What was it? Iron Eyes. In, again, interpreting Spook's, what he's saying. Nodding without the call of his parents. The call of his parents is like what his parents called him. And nodding without is double negative. So that she's asking, is that a nickname? And he says, no, it's what his parents called him. <laughs> I'm just staring at that sentence. I, can, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Vin says, oh, it's not a nickname then? And he says, he had one, though. He wasn't one, though. And she says, what is it? And then, she's, and then he says, Iron Eyes. Such an ironic name because he becomes a Steel Inquisitor with... Yeah. Yeah. It's... Very much foreshadowed. So brutal. And we just see Kelsier addressing the crew here and asking about their progress and plans. Progress meeting. Yeah. (laughs) All right, crew, he said. What have we got? Besides the bad news, Breeze asked. Let's hear it. It's been 12 weeks and we've gathered under 2,000 men, Ham said. Even with the number the rebellions already has, we're going to fall short. He asks Docs if they can ma- have more meetings, but Docs is like, no, probably, but, you know, a few. Basically, they're scrumming to check on their progress scrumming? and assigning action items for the following few weeks. What's Sorry, scrumming? It's, it's an, oh my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is it a real word? Is it a corporate word? It's a corporate word. It's not a real word. <laughs> if, if, if you've ever done agile development, you get in these like, Nope. There's this whole, Don't know what that is. No, it's this whole thing. Is Agile an acronym? No. Oh. It's a whole, it's an idea of like getting together, having little short meetings, figuring out what you're going to do for the next week, assigning points to those things. And then like through repetition, the idea is you're better able to predict how long it's going to take you to do something. And you're able to like stay on task by doing lots of little things rather than big things. But this seems up, sensible. What ends up happening is you drown in meetings. <laughs> where no one has anything to say except yep i'm still working on the same thing i was working on yesterday and there's a there's a level between um usefulness and wasting everybody's time 
Scrumming sounds a lot like slumming. It feels like it. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, like, like with any management style, it can be done very well and very successfully. Or it can be done the way it's done in most businesses across America. Um, so we's ha- we see Kelsier kind of direct them to try other towns, like other places, so they don't attract too much notice if they're going to do more meetings. Ask Breeze to split his team into two so they can be in two places. At- Pulling from a bigger population. Yeah. Yeah, Makes and sense. kind of spreading out so they're not like they're not so obvious in one place, you know. So they have to do all this in secret, and they, yeah, and they have to start picking up the pace. They're not going to make their goal. Yeah, it doesn't matter all that much because they're all getting slaughtered by the garrison anyway. Thank you, Eden. <laughs> yes, but uh, you know that's that's their plan right now is to build up troops. Um, and the next. Thing Ham brings up, weren't we supposed to be working on infiltrating the ministry's ranks? Marsh just shakes his head and says, the ministry is tight. I need more time. Clubs doubts that it could ever happen. But Vin offers an idea. Yeah, well, this crew leader named uh, Theron, who runs the ships. Yeah. And he's able, because he, we know he's got a corrupted obligator that he can pay off. Right. And mostly they've been using it for goods, but Vin's idea is use it it to smuggle in uh an apprentice an acolyte basically. a spy a spy which is how marsh eventually gets in exactly yeah and then he ends up climbing up the ranks to steal inquisitor pretty fast okay you're good you're really good <laughs> want to be better except i think they don't ask <laughs> pretty sure they just make you an inquisitor you're, yeah they, they pick you and grab him he, he thought he was going to be tortured for being a spy being a spy but yeah. they actually never find out not till they yank the spikes well, yeah, out of their backs. Yeah, not until they're yeah. dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's very good. He kills a bunch, but I think it's like half of the Inquisitors or something. Because there's only like, I forget what the number is now, but it's like 26 Inquisitors or something all, all together. Right, right. But half of them are in Luthadel at the time, and he kills all the ones that are in the city. Yeah. There's the beginning of the weapons deal with Renault and Doxon, and Kelsier is, unbeknownst to everybody, hiding those weapons around the city when, mm-hmm. when they start coming in and then the people are talking about this 11th medal of yours good kelsier said are you worried that the lord ruler will hear if he has for a warning of what you're going to do it will be much more difficult to resist him but kelsier doesn't even know what he's going to do so how can the lord ruler? <laughs> that's a good point kelsier just smiled don't worry about the lord ruler i've got things under control in fact, I intend to pay the Lord Ruler a personal visit sometime during the next few days. And we know Vin goes along with him on that trip, and it turns out pretty disastrously. Yeah. Uh, she gets stabbed in the side and has to be get rescued by Sezed. Mm-hmm. But they do get Quan's journal. Not Quan. Uh, Alendi's journal. That's right. that trip. Visit? Yadin said un- uncomfortably. You're going to visit the Lord Ruler? Are you in... S- yet and trailed off then glanced at the rest of the room right i forgot he's catching on doxa noted (laughs) yes he's insane heavy footsteps sounded in the hallway and one of ham's guards entered a moment later he made his way to ham's chair and whispered a brief message ham frowned what kelsier said an incident ham said incident doxa asked what kind of incident you know that lair we met in a few weeks back ham said the one where kel first introduced his plan 
Cayman's lair, Finn thought, growing apprehensive. Well, Ham said, apparently the Ministry found it. Which means everybody's dead. Yeah, it's been painted with blood. I love later, um, you know, we don't see what happens. We, we see the aftermath of what happens in Cayman's lair. Right. But it's like a really creepy, great world building when we find out later how gleefully the Inquisitors kill. They love to kill. Like when they get, yeah, when they're giving permission, they like are in ecstasy because Ruin wants them to kill everything all the time. But they can't without the Lord Ruler's permission because he can kill them. He sees destruction as beautiful. He can kill them with a thought. Beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> sure. And I think we see that from Marsh's perspective when he's totally taken over by ruin. He seems like he sees beautiful destruction. Yeah. Everything that's falling apart looks gorgeous to him. It's all about perspective, man. Yeah. I could see finding beauty and watching something be destroyed. It's certainly awesome and powerful. I, I really enjoy... Um, like videos of icebergs crumbling or buildings being demolished or bridges uh, going down, you know, all that kind of stuff. Controlled demolition is a lot of fun to watch. Sure. I got a little bit of ruin in me. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Destruction is awesome. You ever torn down a wall? Yes. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day. Have you ever heard of these, like... Um, I don't even know what to call them, but like basically you can rent a room full of glass and they give you like a two by four for 10 minutes. I did not hear of that. It's a thing. That's cool. I don't know how uh, common they are. I can't remember what they're called, but oh, probably some safety glasses to go along with that. Yeah. And you just walk in there and smash shit like rage room or something like that. I forgot what they call it, but kind of like an Iron Man suit for real life. Oh, rage room is one. It's a little different than an escape room think you're supposed to smash things in those Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.